0: Today on Sagittarian Matters, we read fan mail, talk about why Beth likes watching straight guys play gay, and give advice on co workers, self esteem, and more. With my very special guest, you guessed it, Beth Pickens. Stay tuned. <laughs>
1: Capricorn Matters.
0: Beth Pickens, welcome back to Sagittarian Matters.
1: Nicole J. George's, I couldn't be happier. There's no place I'd rather be than this Zoom room with you right now.
0: I feel exactly the same. I come to you from the Sagittarian Matters Social Distancing Studios in Portland, Oregon, with producer Panyo by my side at the level at the board doing the levels. And you're in sunny Los Angeles, California.
1: I'm in, pre- I'm in prestigious Burbank with now just a moderate air ranking instead of very unhealthy.
0: Oh, wow. Well, now that I can't see the air anymore, I've stopped obsessively looking <laughs> at IQair.com, which is a a great upgrade to my life.
1: It's really good when you can't see the air. When you can't see ash floating through the air and landing on things gently, it, it feels a lot better.
0: When you're not living your Latin class Pompeii fantasy in real time. I mean, when I was in high school, I had to learn Latin. And I was always like, why are they harping so hard on the city of Pompeii? And now I feel like I know. As producer Ponyo and I are forever encapsulated in an embrace underneath layers of ash.
1: I don't know if you know this about me, but my avatar in life is Pliny the Elder. Pliny the Elder has been, like, chasing me throughout my life. Like, everything I read, everything I listen to, Pliny the Elder shows up. And it's it's been, like, a joke in my relationship for years. So much so that one time when I wasn't paying attention, my spouse changed my screensaver on my phone to be Pliny the Elder, and I left it that way. Um, Will and you pl-
0: tell listeners who this is?
1: Pliny the Elder was a prolific writer um, who actually died, not at Pompeii, but on an island nearby, um, he was. He went to an island nearby to investigate and died of probably choking on um, just ash and, and air. Pickens the Elder. Pickens, I'm Pickens the Elder. But uh, Pliny, I'm sure the last tattoo I will ever get will be a Pliny the Elder tattoo at some point.
0: Oh, I would love to see this. That's your tramp stamp?
1: That's my tramp stamp. Just a big, like, just a face of Pliny the Elder right in the tramp stamp.
0: I want to tell you the only reason I never got a tramp stamp is cuz I heard it was painful. And I feel grateful now.
1: That's I what I I heard it was painful.
0: You. Yeah, to get tattooed like right over your kidneys or whatever's back there, you would know.
1: <laughs> well, having only one kidney, maybe I I wouldn't have any pain then on the right side. So that's where I'll get plenty. I'll get plenty right where my kidney used to be.
0: Oh my god. This is <laughs> This is I mean, who knew that this was going to be the benefit of getting a kidney removed?
1: I know, kidney the elder.
0: I have some fan mail for you. We have fan mail. We have business. We have advice questions. Are you ready?
1: Yeah, I love it.
0: This fan mail came in a couple months ago, but I'm reading it now. Dear Sagittarian Matters, this is just a short note to tell you that Sagittarian Matters is almost the only podcast I listen to that gives me that homey, safe harbor feeling I so desperately need these days. And if I'm honest, actually, I always need that. Thank you for keeping it going. It is such a friendly space for me, and I really rely on it. Years ago, that pod used to be CYG, but post-Trump, it's been overwhelming to me, so thank you. I didn't want to let more time go by without expressing how I value your effort and your generosity. Sincerely, greetings, love, and appreciation in Appalachia.
1: Wow, that's such a nice letter. That's really fantastic. I think Sagittarian Matters, you know, I'm not just a participant. I'm not just a super, a super guest. I'm a listener. I'm a long-time listener, many-time caller. So I agree. Like, this is a really homey, nice place to be in the podcast universe. That's nice
0: to hear. Because it, it is a little bit like shouting into a void, where it's really just me and producer Chris and whoever the guest is talking about it. And then I put it out, and then I'm like, I don't know.
1: I don't know. Maybe people are listening. You get some, like, vague numbers about downloads and listens, but what does that actually mean? What? what? Yeah, well, I, I think that this this speaks... Nicole J. George's Mary Potter, to the power of fan letters and telling people who make things that you love that you love them. So important.
0: I was just talking to my CCA class yesterday about when when you approach somebody and you're asking for something of them to really iterate how much you're a fan of their work and their thing. And I was afraid that it almost felt like I was asking them to be disingenuous and to try to like butter somebody up. But actually the truth is You are approaching someone for something because they have what you want. There's something you like about them. And I feel like it never takes away from you to give someone praise or compliments or to let them know how much you appreciate them. And also, sometimes people take for granted the things they're doing well. Like you see someone, like someone sees you, Beth Pickens, and they're like, well, Beth Pickens has beautiful hair. She obviously knows she has beautiful hair because it's so beautiful that people probably tell her all the time, so I'm not going to tell her. But
1: But if everybody thinks that is I haven't had a haircut since before the pandemic and I've had low hair esteem since mid-March.
0: See? So they may take for granted that you have wonderful hair and then it just takes one person telling you for you to be like, you know what? Thank you so much. Thank you. I am at the point in quarantine where I, I have been trimming my own hair, watching, you know, not highly regarded YouTube videos of people being like, cut your own layers. So Suspicious kind of cut your own layers videos from lots of different perspectives. Someone's like, I like to cut my hair dry, which I've never heard of before. Just all kinds of shenanigans. I like to get craft
1: scissors from Joanne's Fabrics and just go to town.
0: Well, now I'm at the point where I'm just ready to go full punk DIY, and I would like for my same-sex partner to try and cut my hair into a precision bob. I just want to, like, see how close we can get with my wavy-ass hair and her never having given a haircut before in her life. To just it being the straightest, most perfect, hardest the haircut. Most like
1: Ramona Quimby age eight hair that you can achieve.
0: <laughs> like a Vidal Sassoon Ramona Quimby is what I'm gonna go for. I just think it would be a fun experiment. Cause like we're at a point where, you know, I may as well just wear a Zoom wig. If we mess it up, I could just wear a wig. That's fine. I mean, yeah. Six months into quarantine, my kingdom for a pedicure.
1: Oh my God. That's oh my God. The most
0: bougie thing I've ever said.
1: No, I've heard bougier, but we'll talk about that off-air.
0: Great. Beth Pickens, you had a question a few months ago that you gave to listeners, and will you reiterate that question? Because today we have some feedback on that question.
1: Yes. The question that's haunted me for my entire adult life is this. Why, when straight cis male actors play gay in movies, do I think that is so hot? And yet... When their cis straight female counterpart actors play lesbians, I'm like gross. Get get out of here. What are you doing? Right. So why? I mean, obviously everything at the end of the day is just white supremacy and sexism. But I want some more nuance and intricacy. Why did I think Call Me by Call Me by Your Name was so hot when Timothee and what's his face Army Hammer? Um, we're like getting it on. I was like, this is the hottest thing in the world. And I asked myself if this was women though. And I knew they were straight in real life. I wouldn't, I would, I would, I would be like, get rid of this. I don't, I'm not into it. Why I ask you.
0: Dear Sagittarian matters. My theory on Beth being turned off by straight women playing gay might be because subconsciously the fantasy is empty. The male actors playing gay is a fantasy that she can indulge in. The dudes are straight. So whatever. Whereas the straight women, the spell is broken from the very beginning. It's a broken fantasy from the beginning. Okay, that's one. we have got another one. Dear Sagittarian Matters. Oops, that was about Tahini. In response to Beth's question about straight men playing gay in film, I wonder if maybe she's just into gay men and there aren't famous portrayals of queer men playing queer men. Like the comparison would be queer men playing queer men versus straight men playing queer men. Not straight men playing queer men versus straight women playing lesbians. Just a thought.
1: We also got an email answer from writer, Los Angeles writer, Sam Cohen, who's a big fan of the pod, Um, and she wrote me about some other matters and then wrote to me this. Okay, here we go, quote. Also, I remember listening to a Sagittarian Matters early in quarantine where you wanted to to know why you like when straight male actors play gay, but when you find out a les portraying actresses straight, you are sad. I will give you my take. So I used to read fashion theory. I've always been an academic dilettante all my life, and one concept I remember is that traditionally, men are styled to look impenetrable, and women are styled to appear to have points of penetration. And men are shot below, from below, and women from above, subject, object, actor acted upon, solid holes, etc. Traditional homophobia, too, is a lot about male fear that it will be known that their bodies are penetrable. The solidity of patriarchy depends on the solidity and impenetrability of the male body on its being impossible to objectify and dominate. When straight dudes play gay, it's like they're sort of expressing their own penetrability, the hotness of their being sexually objectified, which feels like it unworks a little of the solidity they might otherwise be emblematic of, and on which the solidity of patriarchy depends. So much of what feels powerful about lesbians is a refusal to be ha penetrated by the patriarchy so when someone we identify with as a les icon is taking the cis male d at home it feels like they are being objectified and dominated by the patriarchy and therefore part of what you fell in love with their refusal to take it sorry so literal from the patriarchy is not real is this misogynist do we need to be better allies to our straight and actively bi sisters probably But also, we're all acting within heterosexist and misogynistic structures, and these may just be the breaks. Anyway, I relate to your feelings. Sorry that was so much longer than the two sentences you invited. Okay. (laughs) Sam Cohen. Sam Cohen's email answer, it like shook me out of a malaise that day. I was so just grateful to have this brilliant writer brain somewhere across space and time thinking about something you and I talked about a podcast, and then applying fashion theory readings to it. I was just so grateful for that message. I wrote to her and told her my gratitude and asked her if I could read it, and she said I could. She's a fan of the pod. So I really liked that take on the impenetrability and sort of the straight male cis dude, like the willing to be penetrable, and how that has more consequence, and the sort of betrayal of identifying with someone who I think is a lesbian or portraying a lesbian, Taken the cis D at home, <laughs> the cis D.
0: I feel like she really articulated a thing I was trying to get at in a very particular way. I right. really appreciate this listener feedback. Thank you, yeah. Sam Cohen. Sam
1: Cohen, when your book comes out, please let everyone know because I want to hear you talk about it on Sagittarian Matters and other places.
0: Yeah. Um, do you have anything else to add about this? Have your feelings changed? Have you found any other examples of this?
1: Well, you know, I've been watching Love Island because it's 2020, and season two of Love Island, I don't know if you watch it, Mary Potter, but it's a fantastic, wonderful reality show that's on seemingly every night of the week, so it, you <laughs> could have a paralegal degree by the time you get halfway through the season. Um, and on it, it's like super, super hot, super like normie hot young men and women in their 20s looking for love or to be Instagram famous. Whichever comes first. And I did notice that there's not really a lot of like sexy gay for TV stuff. It's not, the women aren't like, let's flirt and make out in front of the men. And the men, you know, if they're making gay jokes, it's definitely happening off air. They don't really play in that arena at all. But one of the men, Connor Trott, who's from my hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Sorry, Connor. He—I don't know—seems a little gay to me. There's just a look, a troubled look in his eyes that I just feel like I can look deep into his soul and be like, "I think there's a gay person down there." And when I imagine him as gay, he's super hot to me. Hmm. When I see him as straight, it's like I can't—all I see is like a, a some gay, some gauzy fog. I don't see anything. It's just like a normative hot person in front of me just doesn't register. I just like can't see it. Sort of like how you always talk about when you see food that's not vegan. It's just, like, not food. Like, you don't even register as food. That's what straight people are to me. Like, they're just sort of, like, non-sexual entities to me. I don't know why. But when I thought for a second, I think Connor's gay, suddenly I had, like, the biggest boner for him. I was like, this guy is so fine. He's so smoking hot. But as soon as that spell is broken, he disappears again. He becomes a vapor.
0: Interesting.
1: So it appears in other places, too. Am I do I have some gay male tendencies on the inside? I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. I don't watch gay male porn. I know lots of queer women and who do, but that's not it's never been my thing. I'm not attracted. To, I mean, this is going off in some other tangents that we can save for a different place and time off offline. It's just to say that when I see a man and I think he might be gay, suddenly he becomes a sexualized entity to me. Entity to me. I mean, surely it's because we're all part of the same queer family. Like I see queer men, I understand their sexuality, I'm attracted to their sexuality, even if it's not my sexuality. In a way mm-hmm. that straight sexuality just—it's sort of just like a—it's—it's an it's a, it's a non-vegan food. It just doesn't—it doesn't exist. There's just like yeah. a gazy haze over it. Even though I've had heterosexual sex, newsflash. <laughs>
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Maria Turner Carney, Emily Helmus, Grace Lambert, Shoshana Ruth Wechter, Christy Herod, Mary Pinson, Michelle Lemoyne, and Joey Soloway. If you would like to support Sagittarian Matters, especially producer Chris Sutton, please send $5, $5 million, that's your choice, via PayPal to hornetleg at gmail.com. That's Hornet, like the insect, Leg, like its appendage, at Gmail. Or, this Justin, he's got a Venmo. Hell Books on Venmo. That's H-E, Double Hockey Sticks, Books. Thank you for your support, and we look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it Don't be scared, that's just Ponyo's voice. We want to give a special shout-out this week to Sagittarian Test Kitchen sous chef Kaya Wilson for preparing the tahini sweet potato for us to try. Thank you, Chef Kaya. We appreciate your support. I want to tell you about something that I can't I can't completely wrap my mind around it, but there's a term I heard a while ago called butch blinders, and it was from a femme lesbian in Portland, Oregon, who basically was like, If you're out visiting your family, you're somewhere in the middle of nowhere and there's no butches around and you just need to get a little joy in your life, you just put on butch blinders. Basically, you pretend you look at every straight man and you try to imagine him as a butch lesbian and like that will get you through just that moment. You're not necessarily like chasing after them and having sex with them, but you're just imagining that you're surrounded by butches and you're not surrounded by straight men. And it feels a little bit like yours is like. Right, you this. know, there,
1: there's two similar games to this that I would like to name. One of them is the very controversial: is that a twelve-year-old boy or is it a butch? <laughs> the other is: is that a rust belt middle-aged woman or is that a dagger? <laughs> so anytime <laughs> I'm in Pittsburgh, my spouse, who is a very masculine, <laughs> a very masculine woman, who is often just clocked as a man, we will marvel at, like, my aunts and other people around Pittsburgh who it's like, they look like the biggest dyke. Like, that is a dyke, but it is a heterosexual woman who doesn't even know gay people. Rust Belt this is, or Butch?
0: Well, I would take this further, is that I will look at them, and then I'll imagine, if I ran into them at a lesbian bar, say, for Portland people, <laughs> the Egyptian Club, the E-Room of Christmas Past, if I ran into them, if I saw my mother playing pool at the e-room I would be like yeah sure totally just (laughs) midwestern
1: I'm doing the gesture
0: (laughs) oh (laughs) that's a good I love that you know how to do that my mom always wears like a like a button-up shirt with kind of loose sleeves and she'll kind of like pop her arms out to move the sleeves up and then smooth the sides of her hair which is basically (laughs) the same haircut as Saddam Hussein like it's just like that kind of like puffy short and she'll smooth the sides and her just her wearing a button-up you know, over some slacks, playing pool at the e-room, talking to another lady with short hair, I'd buy it. I wouldn't be
1: surprised. Your mom is Sam Malone from early Cheers episodes.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's her style. And when I was a kid, she kept trying to cut my hair so that it could be as, like, no muss, no fuss as hers, but I wasn't as butch as her. And she raised me to be the lowest of low fems because... (laughs) She is a straight woman, but she doesn't believe in any kind of extra anything.
1: Whereas my mother is a straight woman, although I'm pretty sure she had sex with the um, surely lesbian um, janitor from my elementary school, also named Beth, different podcast. But my mother never did anything without lipstick on, ever. Just woke up, put lipstick on. And I notice I have the same habit. Oh well, That's kind of as femme as it gets.
0: For me, being someone uh, who's a victim of eyebrow abuse from the 90s, I no longer have, you know, I have, I was going for the Drew Barrymore teeny, teeny, tiny, no eyebrows, and I did it so well, they never came back. So no matter whether I'm feeling particularly fancy or not, I have to put on eyebrows if I want to have eyebrows and not just like pieces of skin moving up and down (laughs) to show my expressions. (laughs) I'm sure other listeners who lived through the 90s can relate to
1: this. <laughs> yes, me as well. I had thick, bushy, bushy eyebrows creeping in on a unibrow when I was a tween and then plucked the fuck out of them throughout the 90s. The late 90s never- were a hard time for, for eyebrows.
0: They were a hard time for eyebrows, and they were a really popular time for midriffs. I do have a photo of myself with uh, like a Hello Kitty temporary tattoo on my stomach because I wore so many half shirts.
1: Oh my god, lucky.
0: There's some info for you. We gotta get to fan mail.
1: There's more fan mail? Sorry, advice. Oh, advice, advice, okay. I love the fan mail, though. Can we just do all fan mail app at some point? I I love the fan mail. We could. We can just call it in ourselves. We don't have to ask for any.
0: Dear Beth Pickens, <laughs> oh Listeners, please do continue to DM or email us. Um, you can send them to 971-361-9998. That's our Google Voice Sagittarius Matters advice hotline. But people can also send us messages through there that are... Dear Sagittarian Matters, do you have any tips on self-esteem or comparing yourself to others from comparing and despairing?
1: In Concord? Well,
0: it doesn't... Gosh, what do you always say? You can't compare your inside to someone else's yeah, outside. When, when we
1: compare our insides with someone else's outsides, which, newsflash, is the absolute essence of being on social media ever, um, you will come up feeling short and lacking in less than. We can't compare. We do all the time, but it's, it's useless because somebody else's life is just simply not mine. And their exterior experience, what they're portraying, when I compare that to my interior experience, I'm always going to feel bad. Like that's kind of the basis for advertising in, in America. Advertising relies on us comparing our lives to other people and then buying things and spending money to try to fix an inside job, something that is from the inside. So how do you build self-esteem? Well, Nicole and I participate in communities that teach us that we grow self-esteem by doing esteemable acts, by behaving in the world in a way that aligns with our value systems. That's how we build self-esteem.
0: Yeah, I, esteemable acts. So you can decide what does that mean to you? It can be little things like keeping one promise to yourself a day, making a reasonable boundary, Like those kinds of things where you're advocating for yourself and feeding yourself and supporting yourself. And then it can be things where you are doing service, being of service, helping other people, doing things so you feel like you're spending your time for something outside of yourself. Because I know also there's that piece of shit in the center of the universe thing where people can get so caught up in their low self-esteem and their self-hatred that they actually... Can't see everything that's around them and everyone that's around them. And I think when you do esteemable acts and when you're more involved in community and can actually see and care about other people and don't just see them as a tool for like reflecting poorly on yourself, then they actually can, they're free to get the goodness that you do have and then reflect back to you how great you are.
1: Yeah, yeah. I I think like a a way to sort of cultivate self-esteem in any given day is one, do something to take care of yourself, two, take care of another person that you love, and three, take care of somebody who you don't know and who will never know you.
0: Yeah, I think, um, I think that's really great. And I just... uh, yeah. Put down the phone. Something that I try to remember, which I know for sure is that what people post online has very little to do with what's happening for them in their life. And you touched on this with their outsides and insides, but I know people and the more they complain about their partner to me personally, the more they'll post online and be like, look how happy we are. Generally for me, the, the rule is the more someone posts about their relationship, the worse their relationship is in real life. Because I try to imagine like, what was their partner doing while they were, like, holding their phone in front of their face on vacation? Right. Like, what what was the other person's experience like in the room? So when you're looking at something, you're like, look at how happy they are. I can tell they're happy because I see pictures of them smiling. Right. That, yeah. that doesn't actually equal them having a lot of, like, happy interiority. No.
1: Whenever you're feeling really bad, and everybody does, self-esteem goes up, it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. When you're having a bout of low self-esteem, I really advocate like get off the internet and definitely get off of social media for a week.
0: Mm, yeah. And one more thing, if this is about work or whatever, other people getting things doesn't mean you don't get to get them. So if, someone, if you're obsessing over somebody getting an opportunity or getting something that you want, if you need a tool to interrupt that, or at least pause it, you can put the phone away and just think to yourself, okay, what is the thing they have? Do I actually want that? And if I do, what are the steps I could take to get to it? Oh, I'm not willing to do any of those steps? Okay, well, then I just have to let it go and be happy for them. What if I just try to be happy for them? What if I send them a fan letter? What if we become allies instead of adversaries? They may not even know you're secretly their robbers. Beth Pickens. What... Does this listener do with a super intense and very neurotic colleague who's always saying sorry from totally bugging in Bethesda?
1: Oh, Bethesda. Neurotic, a neurotic colleague who's always saying sorry. Yeah, that's that's hard. I think first and foremost, just have some compassion. This is a wounded person. This is a wounded person that got programmed long ago to believe that they had to apologize for being on the planet. And they're preemptively doing something by apologizing. Like they're doing it for a reason. And the reason is not to get at you. It's probably to soothe some panic inside of them. So if you can lead with compassion, somebody who repeatedly says sorry might drive you crazy, but... It's not half as crazy as they feel on the inside. And if you can have a little bit of love and softness for them, it'll go a long way. I think oh. I, Sorry. I, <laughs> the Zoom studio, <laughs> is there an earthquake in the Portland Zoom studios? You're flipping around. Sorry. I okay. think depending, think about your relationship to this colleague. How well do you know them? How closely do you work with them? And it's if it's somebody that you think it's appropriate to do this with, at a time when it's appropriate, maybe pull them aside. When a time when they are not constantly apologizing to you and just say, Hey, I've noticed that you say sorry a lot, and I just want you to know you don't have to be. Like you're allowed to make mistakes, you're allowed to feel wrong, you're allowed to be wrong. And I notice sometimes when I say I'm sorry a lot, it's because I'm anxious or worried that somebody thinks something of me. And I just want you to know like you're okay and you're allowed to make mistakes and you're allowed to just be. And you don't ever have to say I'm sorry to me unless it's you really fucked up or however you wanna say it. But you know what I mean? Like a really kind thing. You also don't have to do anything because you might not be able to, this might be a better therapy situation than like a coworker to coworker, but you can kind of gauge what's your relationship to the person and leading with just gentleness and compassion, just tell them like, you're okay, it's okay. I know you're doing this and you don't even have to say sorry for that, but it's just like, it's going on And I just notice it. It makes me concerned that you feel like you have to, that you have to apologize and and you don't. What do you think?
0: Would you suggest people say this to themselves in the mirror as well? Just say, just as a practice, as a practice, like you don't have to be okay. Okay. You you get to make mistakes. It's okay. You're all right.
1: You're all right. right. It's 2020. And Beth Pickens said, we only have to do a B minus job on anything.
0: Beth Pickens, I agree with that very much. It It is uh, so compassionate and kind and gentle and generous and very different than probably, I just imagine myself in this person's position just like grimacing at the person and turning away and avoiding them. <laughs> or just going, you're fine. Oh my God, nothing happened. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. But you can imagine that person might have grown up in an environment where they were saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, and having people be very violent and aggressive. And so if it's met with just like gentle, 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 like you're okay, you're okay, you're okay. Sometimes at work, I mean, I hate jobs. Like I don't go to jobs. I have to be self-employed because I can't, I I don't work well with others. But being at a job, like going to a place to do a job feels awful, right? Like don't you just want a coworker to come up to you and be like, you're okay. You're okay.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Hey, just so you know, the job you're doing is totally fine. You're doing a totally totally fine job here. Well, you know what was really helpful for me once, and I pass this on to students. I was on a grant judging committee, and we had all the folders in front of us of all the grant applicants. And they were like, hey, just before you even begin, everybody in this stack deserves to be here. They all deserve to be here. It's just a matter of choosing, you know, who's the best fit for this funding at this time. And I tell my students that, and some of them find it to be such a relief of just like, you all belong here. You all deserve to be here so that that's already been said that's the standard everything else is just us helping and refining and helping you get to your goal of what you want to do with your art and i think that that saying that to yourself when you are in a job and maybe even being able to say that to a coworker who's insecure could be really could be helpful information to have
1: also you fuck a job work is for jerks
0: Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Panyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Sagittarian Matters. Hi, listeners, it's me, Nicole. If you would like to support me and Panyo, in particular our comics and animal illustrations, Go to patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges, and for as little as $2 a month, you can have access to hundreds of pages of otherwise unpublished diary comics. For the price of one cold brew plus tip, you can become an honorary Sagittarian, and for the price of two vegan cupcakes or two vegan donuts, you can become a Ponyos Friend Club member, at which point you really start raking in goods, including new buttons. Check it out. Patreon.com slash Nicole J. Georges.